Welcome to the Practical Idealist Podcast, aligning what is good with what is possible. I'm your host, Allison Bueller, Director of the Homestead Education Center, and the focus on this show is real change for better health, home, and community. part of an organization called Business Network International, or BNI, for the last two years through the Homestead. This group of small and independent businesses and nonprofit organizations support each other by sharing information and references. I've loved this group because it's made up of the people who are the backbone of a community. Electricians, carpenters, house cleaning companies, independent restaurants, local bankers and hairstylists, the Arts Council, and the local bookstore owner are all members. Our guest today is an insurance agent from that group, Adam Davis of Alpha Insurance. He's been a Keep It Local partner with the Homestead, and he and his wife, who owns Kids Therapy Spot, have always supported the Homestead's Helping Hands campaigns. When the economy imploded last month and almost every member of our BNI group had to close their doors or limit services severely, Adam dove in and did the research on what kinds of relief were out there for small businesses and how to access them. He read everything that came out on the CARES Act, and based on that information he shared, I was able to get online and fill out our forms for our vacation rental in about 30 minutes. I asked him if he would share what he's learned with all of you today, and he agreed. Welcome, Adam. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're going to clarify all this because I know it's frustrating for people. I mean, I've talked to several business owners that are not in BNI and they've just said, I don't know where to start. So we're going to tell people where to get started today, right? Sure. Okay. So the first thing that you told me is that you have to establish what is your goal. Can you talk about that a little bit? Uh, sure. I'd be glad to. Basically to uh, backstep just a hair, the um, the the government obviously needed to step in and provide some sort of relief uh, to large and small businesses. Um, phase three is is really what um, is really what impacted us. And having owned multiple businesses for several years, I knew there was going to come a, a point to where lots of questions were going to be asked of of what was going to be available two smaller businesses and uh, I decided quickly that it was in the best interest for the businesses that I own as well as the community to get a grasp uh, on exactly what was going on. I knew the bankers would be overloaded with questions, accountants would be overloaded, and even lawyers would be overloaded. And, uh, you know, just for clarification, I'm not an accountant and I'm not a lawyer, um, never claimed to be. Uh, I do own two businesses. And I also am a full-time insurance agent uh, with Alpha Insurance at the Jason Bailey Agency. So I took it upon myself to really research um, what was available, how the processes work, and what was best suited for different businesses. Uh, So what I have learned so far is that uh, as a business owner, there are two objectives that... uh, that are extremely important. And and you might have both of these objectives in mind for the best interest of your business or one of the other. If your main concern at this juncture is lost revenue, uh, say you're a, a real estate owner or you're an independent contractor, you know, or you maybe just have one employee 
and your main uh, focus right now to stay in business or, or receive some sort of financial relief is loss of is current loss of revenue, uh, actually dating back to the declared pandemic, which was February the fifteenth. Mm-hmm. Uh, the SBA has really streamlined the process, and you can simply go to sba.gov. Um, there is a link to the application there. And the first step of that is the government just wants to get you in the queue uh, or in their query. And it's basic information. You're the type of business you are, the legal name of your business. If you're not exactly sure of the legal name, you can go to the Mississippi Secretary of State's website and just search your name or your business name in the exact state um, filing will appear, uh, whether you're an LLC, a partnership, a S corp, a corporation, however you, you know, if you've been in business 20 years, it might've been a long time since you saw the actual official name. Um, but I recommend to go to the secretary of state and find yourself, your business is registered with the state of Mississippi and print that page out, uh, because that, that page will include what your business address is. It could have changed over the years, and it might even uh, lead you down the path that you need to log in to the Secretary of State and change some information. You know, if your phone number's changed, if the what you are doing business as has changed, it could. I've seen several circumstances where it wound up being different than what's on file with the state. Nothing to be worried about, but you can easily amend uh, your mailing address, your phone number, your email. Um, a lot of people just, you know, you're required by the by law by the Secretary of State to log in at least once a year and file your annual report mm-hmm. and put any changes that have been made to the business, any officers that have been added, any board members, you know, if you've partnered with somebody. A lot of people just forget to make the state aware that they have made some changes. And it's, but they really streamlined the process. It's, like I said, it's on sba.gov and all the information you need is there. And there's a link uh, directly on that website that allows you to what they are calling start the application process. This is definitely not the application process in full, um, but it just gets your basic information, the name of your business, the address of your business, the, your contact information, um, uh, email and phone number. And what they're going to do is compare that to what they have on file with tax records uh, and just make sure that you are who you say you are. Uh, once the application is submitted, I'll back up just a bit. Make sure on the second page of the application, there is a box that says, I would like to, um, I would like to see if I qualify for what they're calling an advancement. It is technically a grant, but there's a box on the second page that says, uh, I would like to be considered for an emergency ad- advancement of up to $10,000. Now, that does not mean that you're guaranteed $10,000. It means up to $10,000. And what they're doing, doing what they call a quick review, which is going to, according to the website now, is taking three to five business days. Um, and that's basically verifying that you are who you say you are. And they're going to just do a quick scan of what records the RS does have on file and see how much of that 10,000 that you um, qualify for. It might be 1,500, it might be 2,000, it might be 10,000. I don't know the criteria for how they're determining who's eligible for the full 10,000, but either way, this is essentially an advancement, an emergency advancement, just to keep you on your feet, to keep the utilities paid, maybe keep the rent paid, and that money is supposed to be released within three to five days. And that's why on the initial application, the simplified version, there is a place to put your banking information with your checking and your routing number. And supposedly, 
uh, those funds that you are eligible for that are considered an advancement will appear in your in your bank account within three to five days upon completing the application. Now, once you complete the application, you're in the queue, um, and the next step will be you should receive an email um, or a phone call, but from the feedback I've gotten so far, it's typically been email. You're actually going to be assigned a loan officer through the federal government SBA system, and then at that point, that loan officer will take over the process and that's when the harder part of the application process will come in. Um, they're gonna want you to supply them with your financials, possibly some profit and loss statements. You've got the tax returns on file, now whether they're going to access those directly from the IRS database, I don't know, or I don't know if they're gonna want you to figure out a way to either scan an email or upload it to their system, but the, it will be a formal loan review, just like if you were gonna to go to the bank and apply for a loan. So the initial step is just to get you in the queue, see if you qualify for any of the t up to 10,000 advancement uh, to get the process started. And then you're probably looking, I'm gonna say at about a 30 to 45 day timeline to finalize everything. And you don't get to, through this system, you don't get to pick the amount that you're wanting to borrow. They will make what's called a loan offer based off your financials and you can accept the terms of the offer. Um, you know, if they come back and say, as a matter of fact, looking at your financials, you qualify for up to a hundred thousand, but let's say you only need 50,000 to get you over the hump for the next couple of months. Um, you're not obligated to take the full loan amount and you're not obligated to take any of the loan amount or spoken with three different SBA representatives and asked about the $10,000 grant portion. And what I have been told, not, not completely verified, but what I have been told by three different sources now, and my latest communication was yesterday, is that the $10,000 emergency grant is completely outside of the loan process itself. The only way that that comes into the equation is that if you ultimately decide with your loan officer that you need 75,000 and they have given you an advancement of five, then obviously they're gonna deduct that from the uh, final loan amount, which will be 70,000. So they will deduct the grant amount from your final loan amount if they have advanced you some funds in the process. And from what I have heard, but like I said, I cannot verify from an official source other than an SBA agent is that with the $10,000 grant being a separate entity in of itself, whether you take the loan or whether you're declined for the loan in either scenario, you get to keep the advancement funds as an advancement, even if you don't follow through with the loan application. And that was the biggest question I was getting is, am I going to have to pay back any advancement funds that I receive if I decide that I just don't want the loan, that if it took too long to get it and my business is back up and running, and I don't need the loan at that point. There are very forgivable terms with this loan. They can even spread it out to up to 30 years. So don't sit on the money scared to death that, you know, you're going to have to cut the government a big fat check to pay them back or they're going to come knocking on your door because that's not going to be the case. But in a nutshell, that's how the SBA program works. And that is more along the lines for businesses that have experienced lost revenue, or a decrease in revenue and they really need funds to keep their business going to get them through the next, you know, anywhere from two to six months. And right. 
Um, and though, like I said, those terms at the end will, will be negotiable, not on the interest rate, but on the amount and the payback time and things like that. So once you're, once you're assigned a loan officer, you will have a physical person assigned to your case that you can talk to, tell them what's going on, tell them what you need and why you need it. And you'll justify it with the financials, just like you would with the bank. But the initial part only takes, you know, 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah, it was very and, simple. And do you recommend that everybody with a small business just go ahead and, and do that? Well, it it, it really depends on the type of business. If you're in a position um, that you really haven't seen a decrease in revenue, there are certain industries that have actually seen an increase due to due to the particular pandemic. And and I'll use insurance as as a good reason uh, or or as a good example. Um, In the insurance business, people actually have time now because they're basically quarantined at home unless they're going to the grocery store or some necessity. Well, in the insurance business, uh, we're still running a fair amount of quotes because now people are digging into their finances and saying, you know what, I haven't really really looked at my home insurance in the last 15 years. I've just Mm -hmm. been paying it. So while I've got the time, I might as well contact my agent and and, you know, just kind of do a review to see where I am and is there anything better available out there? So, you know, there are certain industries that aren't hurting as much as others. So if, if you haven't seen uh, if you haven't seen a decline in business or you're not missing payments, there is a box you have to check on there. The verbiage sounds scary, but it says I attest that under under the penalty of perjury that I have suffered a, a, a financial um, decrease or a financial injury or a financial disaster, however you want to put it, due to specifically the current coronavirus. So if your business has not taken a hit or, you know, it's very minimal, I'm not going to sit here and recommend that every person that owns a business runs out to attempt to get this free money because they're going to look at your financials and your history and, you know, there's only $1 billion allocated out of the $350 billion that of the total allocation. There's only $1 billion of that that's allocated to the 10000 in grant money. And it's first come, first serve. Mm-hmm. Once that has been used, then the grant portion of the loan is no longer available. So, you know, it, it's up to the business owner. It's a personal choice. But if you've not seen a decline in businesses running as normal, um, and you're probably not going to follow through with the loan process at the end. Um, I, I can't say it would, it would be a benefit to every single business, but most definitely if you have seen a decrease in revenue or if you're in a, an industry that is, that is more of a, uh, is more of a, um, I don't know the, the proper terminology, you know, like a cleaning service or a landscaping service, somebody that you pay, that you normally pay for a service you can do yourself. Uh, a, a lot of people are, are canceling those services because they can clean their own house or they can mow their own yard or they can wash their own car. Mm-hmm. So Hairstylists are in yeah, big trouble. You know, Hairstylists is a great example. The people mm-hmm. like that that are obviously seeing, then by all means, uh, get online, apply for the loan, and just to get you through the hard times until you get back on your feet. And the, and the, and the terms are very favorable then. The, current, the interest rate is currently at 3.75%, and it can be extended for up to 30 years. And also, the first 12 months are deferred. Mm-hmm. It, will, it will accrue interest on whatever loan amount you ultimately decide on if you qualify. Um, but, you know, with the, with the terms that are set out there, you're not going to go get alone any better than these conditions anywhere else, even if there wasn't a pandemic. So right. obviously, if you need money for your business, I would definitely take advantage of it. 
So let's talk about the other option if you're trying to keep payroll afloat. Okay. The other option is the what we call the PPP. It's the Payroll Protection Plan, and the government has actually authorized um, banks and lending institutions to handle this portion of it. They, they took the complete, what I call bailout or CARES Act, and they kept the part in-house, which was a quick influx of cash into small businesses. Uh, the businesses with employees that are more concerned with paying their employees, the government set up the PPP program to avoid a mass influx of unemployment claims. Um, because obviously, if you file for unemployment, that comes out of taxpayers' money. Uh, all business owners pay into the unemployment system. Uh, thank goodness they currently have suspended any increase in unemployment insurance rates for business owners. So if you do have employees that have ultimately filed for an insurance or unemployment, um, then it will not directly affect the amount you have to pay in uh, for, you know, basically until this crisis is over and everybody's back on their feet. So at least for the short term, anybody that files for unemployment will not affect your 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 the current rate that you pay in for your unemployment. Um, but the PPP was developed to enable you to pay two months worth of payroll um, while you are able to retain what revenue is generated during that time. So the way this process works is this is a simplified application too, and most banks um, I'll have, have put a link to the application on their website as well. Uh, most all banks have been approved through the SBA as a administrator of these PPP loans. And the way that these work is you take 12 months worth of your average payroll. Um, some banks are doing it different. They're running from January to January. Some are running from March to March. Some are February to February. But basically, they're getting a 12-month snapshot of your average monthly payroll. And you can take two and a half times your average monthly payroll and that's the amount that you can apply for through the PPP. So if your average monthly payroll, uh, say $10,000, uh, then you can apply for $25,000 um, through the PPP program. And as long as you spend that money, you have to be very diligent in how you use the money. As long as you spend it on payroll to keep your employees paid, as long as you spend it on rent, or interest on a loan, not the loan itself, but if you own your building or wherever you work, um, the interest on that loan is currently can be used through these funds or utilities. You know, that's keeping the lights on, keeping the water on, keeping the internet running, things like that. So as long as you keep good records and receipts of how you spend the loan money, there will be a second application at the end of the process called the the application for forgiveness. I don't know if that's the correct terminology of the application, but basically you will fill out a second application after that, after you receive the funds of the money that you've spent over the eight weeks. And that will basically be forgiven from the loan. And so hmm. if you, if you borrow 25,000 and you spend 25,000 uh, under the guidelines, which is payroll, rent, or mortgage interest and utilities, then every bit of that will be forgiven. So basically you can get eight weeks of payroll for free as long as you spend that money for those purposes. Now, if you get the money and you go and buy a boat or a four-wheeler, <laughs> that obviously is not going to count, at which point it will turn into a loan and you'll have to pay that money back. You're not getting it in trouble for spending the money on something that you didn't borrow it for, 
but you will not be forgiven. And so the bankers are involved in this process. The recommendation I have is to contact your local banker. Um, I do recommend somebody that you have a personal relationship with. Um, all the big banks are doing them as well, but obviously we like to keep things local when we can. So all of our local banks that I know of at this point are in the PPP program. So all you got to do is simply contact your local banker, tell them you would like an application, or you can simply go to the your bank's website. Most of them have already attached a link to the application. It's a very simple three-page application. Uh, you fill it out, and then you're going to have to supply them with a uh, your 940s, which is your your quarterly, um, you know, your quarterly uh, income or your quarterly payroll statement. I'm sorry, and then your 941 is your is your annual uh, uh, that you supply once a year to the IRS for your payroll. You're going to have to supply that documentation to the bank as proof of your um, payroll for the 12 month average. And then most of them of the banks are including their own spreadsheet that the bank made themselves. The three that I've done. Uh, all had a different spreadsheet that they made themselves. And you just go in and print whatever whatever method you use, whether it's QuickBooks or some other software, or even if you just use an old Excel spreadsheet to keep up with your data, you just basically just key in your payroll for each month and it calculates at the end how much you qualify for. So you'll have to return that spreadsheet and the supporting documentation and the application to your banker. And basically they take it from there. Now there have been a couple of banks. I'm not going to obviously name any names. There have been a couple of banks that have hired third party administrators to handle these loans for them because they're either not staffed for it or they would felt more comfortable having a third party administrator um, handle the loan. In my opinion, that kind of takes the personal aspect out of it. And so I would choose a local bank that is that has a banker that you know and that you can talk to and that can help guide you through the process. If you wind up having to go through a third-party administrator, they don't know you, you don't know them. They're mm -hmm. just processing these as fast as they can, and we just don't want anything to slip under the cracks. Yeah, that's really good advice. It, and it, I think everybody's kind of figuring out through this how important it is to know all of your people in your life that that make yes. things happen from your insurance agent to your banker to your you know I mean it just it's really highlighted to me the importance of local economies um tell sure. me what if you have both issues if you have you know you've lost revenue and you're trying to cover mm -hmm. payroll what do you do then sure okay if that's the case if you have both issues you are more than welcome to apply for for both types of loans and you can even apply for both types with the same taxpayer ID um, the, the, the stipulation with that is if you apply for both, um, any money that was given to you through the, the, the up to 10,000 grant program is going to be deducted from that free eight week period that you have. So if you borrow 25,000 through the, the payroll protection plan from your local banker and you apply online through the SBA and let's say you get $5,000. Um, of the 10000 that you're eligible for, then ultimately they're going to deduct that 5000 out of that free that free spending eight-week period. Um, that, that just prevents you from double dipping. They're not going to let you get eight weeks free mm -hmm. uh, for your payroll and your expenses and then give you another up to 10000 on top of that, all free money. So in essence, if you apply for both, your banker, once you apply for the PPP as well, the banker is going to go out to the S out to the SBA organization and they're basically going to obtain that loan from them and they're actually going to combine the two 
into one loan and it's all going to run through your local bank. So if you apply for both the the SBA one that is the quick stream, you know, quick streamline process online, the bank will actually go out and grab that loan and bring it into the personal protection plan. So at the end of the day when it's all signed on the dotted line, it would just be one loan and the only the only thing that you give up by having or needing both is that uh, they're not going to allow you to keep the $10,000 or however much you do receive as, as free advancement money and let you uh, utilize the eight-week free spending program. So just know that if you apply for both, which a lot of people have, uh, my father-in-law is a good example. He runs a fairly large business and he is concerned about paying his employees and he's had a tremendous amount of lost revenue. So he has technically applied uh, for both and in a scenario to where you have the need for both you want to keep your employees paid and you're just giving them whatever work does come through but you're obviously your full-time employees need a full paycheck to pay their bills but you're also steadily losing revenue then yes by all means apply for both and ultimately you know it might be a month from now might be six weeks from now it will be rolled into one loan through the bank and you're still getting a fair amount forgiven and, and the terms are very generous and the interest rates are very low so even if you apply for both don't be scared that one is going to overrule the other or that you're going to have two loans sitting out there that's going to ruin your credit history or anything like that it will ultimately be wrapped into one loan through your bank uh, and they will, you know, it'll be one loan and one loan payment. Now, the only difference is, is the banks are only required, it's at their discretion, but the banks are only required to delay payments on the loan for six months. Uh, at their discretion, they can go up to 12 if they choose to. Um, the SBA loan in itself, if that's the only one that you need, is an automatic 12-month deferral on payments. Mm -hmm. um, so, you do risk the chance that you might have to start making payments on the loan a little sooner if you apply for both since they're going to be ultimately funneled through the bank. But if it's a situation to where to keep the doors open, you need both and by all means apply for both and just whatever the terms of the bank sets, you'll just have to live with. Okay. You've done a really good job of summarizing what feels very complex. So I'm just going to say it back to you and then see if I got it right so that our sure. listeners... Um, so if you're an independent contractor of some kind and you don't really have any employees, your best bet is to go to sba.gov and apply for the, the um, up to 10,000 initial grant. We're not sure right. if it's a grant or a loan at this point, but um, and to get that process started. And so, make sure you check that box. There is a box on the second page of the app that says, I, do, I would like to be considered for up to a $10,000 emergency advancement. And okay. technically it is a grant and I have verified that, that those funds are distributed separately from the loan itself. And I have not seen a scenario to no matter the outcome of that loan, if it's declined due to financial history or an insolvent business or a business that continually loses money year after year and you're just trying to keep it afloat, you could technically be declined for the loan. If mm -hmm. you are declined for the loan, you definitely get to keep the advancement money that was given to you, no questions asked. Okay. And I put a link to that in the show notes, the sba.gov, so they okay, can go good. there. And I was just, I, I mean, it stunned me how simple it was. Our our scenario was that we have a VRBO rental that pays for the Homestead nonprofit property. Mm -hmm. And we had about, oh, 
15 cancellations in oh, sure. <laughs> the oh, space sure. of a week. And so in order to, to keep that afloat so that we can run the nonprofit, we, I applied for that piece of it. Um, yes, if you definitely. have employees up to under 500 employees, mm-hmm. then you're going the route of going to your bank to through your local banker or on their website to apply for the PPE uh, pay, payroll protection. What is it? It's PPP payroll PPP, protection plan. <laughs> not PPE. PPP payroll protection. And that is either through your local banker or on the website. And that requires a little bit more information, but just, you know, payroll information, but not much. Is that Not a whole lot, yes. And most of it is accessible, especially if you use QuickBooks or some other accounting software, or like I said, you, you keep things uh, in, in a, in a, even in an old, an old fashioned Excel spreadsheet, uh, that's acceptable. And then you will have to actually prove that you've made those payroll payments, which are obviously on your bank statements. You can go online and print out your bank statements because all bank statements now have a copy of checks that have cleared the bank. And obviously they can look at it and see that, yes, these were payroll checks. So they, all they're doing is verifying. And the good thing the SBA did was the direction they gave the bank is what's called a good faith review. And a good faith review in the banking industry means that in good faith, the bank is reviewing your financials and is, is in essence saying, yes, we have looked through the financials and company X is applying for $30,000 and we can justify by the documentation we've seen that that 30000 is a reasonable figure for them to continue payroll for at least two months. And mm-hmm. so a, a good faith as a good faith review is a much simpler process for a bank than actually having to submit all the financials to the SBA to justify getting the loan approved. And and that directive didn't come down really until Monday morning from the SBA. The bankers were scared because they didn't want to give out millions of dollars in loans and they do something wrong on their end. And then the SBA comes back and says, well, you didn't do this right, Mr. Banker, so we're sorry, we're not going to be able to insure this loan for you. Uh, just good luck collecting it. And once word came down from the SBA that all they had to do was a good faith review, I think that eased a lot of of the um, stress that it was causing the bankers. Uh, because, you know, anytime you do a loan on a bank, it's, it's in good faith that you're going to pay the loan back. But the loan is taking, I mean, the bank is taking the risk that you are going to pay back the loan. And these loans were not, the bank is not forced to approve them for you. Um, the government is actually paying the bank anywhere from one to five percent uh, just to process the loan for them. So the banks are not doing this for free. Um, so there, there is some compensation there to the banks for processing these loans for the government. And now that the banks have the directive that they're only required to do a good faith review, that eased a lot of the worry through the banking system. And the information did change basically day to day for about a seven to 10 day period. And that's why there was some confusion that came out. There was actually a good article written in Forbes magazine last week, uh, of the confusion, um, because if you think about it, we basically had a, a one week, 10 day discussion with the Senate and the House. They finally came to an agreement. And within 48 hours, this 882 page act was passed. And that's a lot of information. And I actually read all 882 pages, believe it or not. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, there, the verbiage in there, like I've told some people, is kind of like reading a Shakespeare novel. You can kind of understand what they're talking about, mm-hmm. but it's in terms that, 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 that the average person 
is not in, I'm not going to say not in their vocabulary, but it's not terms they use every day. So to really get through it and really understand it was complicated even for some of the bankers. And I, like I said, I'm not an accountant or a lawyer or a banker, and a lot of it was confusing to me, and that's why I made phone calls and I contacted the SBA directly to make sure I had an understanding uh, because, in my opinion, somebody in the community – um, you know, uh, not saying that bankers didn't, they have, but I knew they would be overloaded. So I at least wanted to have a good understanding and be available to businesses in the community if they had any questions. That's why I did the amount of research I did to try to put it into layman's terms of what was available and how you could apply to get the funds you need to keep your business from going under. That's ultimately the goal of this entire program is to keep a business from failing and to keep people from filing for unemployment because if you get three to four million people on unemployment during any given crisis, it becomes difficult in a lot of circumstances to get those people back in the workforce. Mm -hmm. And so that's what the government's main goal is trying to prevent. And that's why they're streamlining these processes and making it not scary for individuals or banks. Right. They're they're actually user-friendly for once, which is (laughs) surprising. Yes, this time it is. It's not like a home mortgage where there's no. 30 pages to sign and you have to, you know, it, it, it's, it's not like that. And these are backed uh, These are backed by the federal government, these loans. So if somebody does default on their PPP loan through the bank, they are being backed by the federal government. So the banks are more comfortable now by far than they were a week ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and these loans always only started being processed as of last Friday through the bank. So it's still early on. You have until June the 15th. But just remember, and, and they're working on a phase four of this bill now to see if additional funds need to be allotted. But the key to remember is there's only $1 billion that I know of currently allocated to the free money or the grant money or the advancement money, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And then there's another $349 billion that's allocated to uh, the small business loan and the PPP program. So once those funds are used up, yeah. Unless Congress passes more legislation or the Senate passes more le- legislation to continue to fund that, it's on a first-come, first-served basis. So I wouldn't wait around and say, yeah, I'm doing okay right now. My business is down because nobody knows what's going to happen over the next 8 to 10 to 12 weeks. Obviously, the virus is still spreading. People are scared. The government's scared. Financial industry is scared. I mean, you've seen the stock markets go through the roof one day. The next the next day, it drops, you know, a thousand points. So there's a lot of uncertainty out there. So I tell people the sooner you can get these things in place and get them applied for, the better. Because either way, you're not locking yourself into no. anything until you sign on the dotted line saying, I accept these terms and conditions for this amount. But at least at applying and see what you qualify for and, you know, for sure, if you qualify for some of the free or advanced money, no reason to leave that on the table. So don't don't sit around until the middle of May and go, you know what, I haven't really done that well the last couple of months because I'm in retail or I have a landscaping company or I'm a hairstylist. I think I'm going to go and see if I can get some assistance to help get me through this. Well, at that point, it might be too late. The money could be used up. Exactly. Uh, they could have not been, you know, they could have not replenished the account through this, through the, the funding through the treasury with this phase four. So the biggest thing I tell people is get on, get on the train now mm-hmm. and at least get your name in the queue through the bank and through the SBA, either one or the other or both. And then once you start to communicate with a person of finalizing the details, uh, is 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 when everything will be ironed out. But until you at least get your name out there in the hat, so to speak, 
there's not going to be any assistance coming. So don't don't wait around day after day saying, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it the next day. Go ahead today or when you listen to this or when you can, sit down behind the computer and talk to your banker. And you can get, if you needed both loans done, you can get it all done in about a two-hour period. Uh, this is definitely not a bailout for a business that was failing anyway. It's more of a bailout for businesses that were doing fine or doing okay mm-hmm. and let's keep that train going down the tracks versus just laying everybody off and then we have millions on unemployment which is a huge taxation on our system and that's what the government is trying to avoid well thank you so much for your time and i put links to everything you need to get started in the show notes i also put a link to adam's business because if you can tell he does his research and if you need him to do some research on your insurance he'd be a great one to call so i'd be be glad to and i'm and i'll be glad to answer any questions um feel free to post my email address you know phone number if anybody has any individual questions my phone's been ringing nonstop for several days my duty as a as a member of our community to help in any way I can, just like all other people are coming together. You know, there's people making masks, there's people mm-hmm. that are making cleaning supplies and delivering them to your house. You know, there's there's lots of people coming together as a community to see us through this. And, um, and you know, I, I've been really taken aback by, by how I've seen Startable and the surrounding areas come together as a community to help to help each other. And, and that's one reason I'm involved and I'm going to do everything I can until we see ourselves through this. And that's our very next show. So that's a good lead in. Thank you so good. much for your time, Adam. I know you've got to get back to it and we I will do. post this thing tomorrow. Sure. And I hope people are, are more confident and know exactly what to do now. Have Absol- a good one. Absolutely. And I'm available for questions anytime. All right. Take care. All right. Thank you so much.